Hello and thank you for joining us for our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I appreciate you tuning us in today that God may speak to you through his word and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth, that you'll be blessed and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. mountaintops and valley experiences in our life we all have mountaintop experiences and we probably have even more valley experiences i like ron saying that uh, our valley is a place of the holy spirit that's awesome sometimes we think of valleys as only being the the negative right we only think of the valleys as being the doldrums the 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 bummer times um but sometimes we have these amazing mountaintop experiences we're just like, wow, that can never be matched. That was amazing. That was time was just top of the charts. Amazing. Only to be followed by a big downer, right? It just kind of completely crashes. You have a really good day, and then the next day, it's just like, where did this come out of nowhere? Um, life happens. But are you prepared in your life for the suddenlies? Are you prepared for the suddenlies that happen in life? And what do you do about those days where it just come crashing down? Are you prepared for those as well? What do you do about that? Or do you find yourself taken by surprise often by these uncertainties? Are you taken by surprise just like, I didn't see that coming. It just came out of nowhere. And I was just completely flattened by that situation. That you're always let down. Do you find yourself always being let down by you know, hey, I have a lot, a lot of good experiences, but I probably have more valley or downer experiences in my life. That, you know, there's things in life where you just, things happen. There are things that, you know, where we have good days and there are times where it just completely can't get any worse, it seems like. And it happens a lot. That you get up, you know, maybe you get up and you read your Bible. You just have this amazing time with God. You ever had just amazing times? God just speaking to you. You're connecting with the Lord. He's just speaking to you. Powerful time, a devotional or prayer time. Uh, you know, and then, then the kids get up. <laughs> or then you go to work. <laughs> you fill in the blank. It's back to earth again. Um, back to real life. And it reminds me of, of this, this one of my favorite prayers. It says, Dear Lord, so far today I am doing all right. I have not gossiped, I have not lost my temper, I have not been greedy, grumpy, nasty, or selfish, I have not whined, complained, I have not cursed, I have not eaten any sugar or chocolate yet, I have not charged anything on my credit card, but soon I'm going to be getting out of bed, and I think I'll really need your help. <laughs> it's pretty bad when, you know, all that happens, all the good stuff happens before you even get out of bed. Um, that that's the high point of your day, and it's all downhill from there. Well, today, I want to look at this story, and today's example is the transfiguration, that this mountaintop, amazing and mountaintop experience that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with them to come along with them to this place, and uh, it's, it's recorded in actually three places. In Mark today, we're going to read this story in 9, but it's also recorded in Matthew 17 and also Luke chapter 9 that kind of give just, a, and I'm going to refer a little bit to it as well in those Gospels, just a little bit different uh, take on what happened that day. So I want us to read this. This is Jesus' transfiguration and these three disciples that witnessed it. It was a powerful God moment on the mountain. Um, and so let's look at that, starting in verse 1 of Mark chapter 9. It says, And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Verse 2, this is where the transfiguration part starts. It says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them to a high mountain where he, they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared to them before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to, G 
Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the clouds, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly they were looking around, no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why is it then written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected. But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wish, just as it is written about him. Lord God, I pray that we would be able to take today from your word, and we would be able to apply these truths to our heart about, Lord, the times that we do have with you, the reminders that you are with us no matter whether we are in the mountaintop experiences or whether we are down in the valleys, Lord. I just ask God that you may speak to us, remind us of your presence. Remind us, Lord, of, of even those times that we have witnessed, that we have had powerful moments with you, that we would not lose sight. We would always remember those times as, Lord, transformational times in our own life. And I pray, God, that you may speak to us, that you are a transforming God, not just on the mountaintops, but also in the valleys, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we're, we're looking at this passage, and we need to see how to live well in the up times and the down times. And so what we just read about was, it said, um, he was just concluding what chapter 8, I'm not sure why the, the, uh, the breakup of the chapters included just that last part of chapter 8 in verse 1 that we re read, but he said, after six days... After six days, what was after six days? What had just taken place beforehand? Well, it was after six days after Jesus had asked, who do people say that I am? I mentioned that in my, my sermon last week. Who do people say that I am? And Peter chimed in. He said, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are the one that had come. And so after six days, and then Jesus said, um, I must suffer. I must suffer. And Peter stood up and said, this will never happen. You're not going to do that. And he said, I rebuke you. Get behind me, Satan. How many of you have ever had someone quote that scripture to you? <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Oh, not a great scripture to quote at people. But in this, uh, in this passage, it, and right after he said, I'm, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross and follow me as well. After six days, this is what happened. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. So we're going to go up to this mountain. Um, recorded in Luke, and we'll look a little bit at what he had said, but recorded in Luke, it says that Jesus took them up and he was praying. He was praying up on the mountain. And Jesus would often go up to lonely places and, and spend time in prayer, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit today as well. But after six days, they went up to this mountain and he was praying. And at this moment, all of a sudden... Uh, it says he was transfigured. Transfigured, he was changed. And, and if you could just imagine this heavenly moment, this moment on the mountain where all of a sudden this brightness, this bright light or the glory of God just showed up on that mountaintop. And they were startled, if you could say that. That was the least of what you could say. They were terrified what they just ha saw happen. It was so bright that God filled that place, and it was just this amazing, powerful moment up on the mountain. Then they saw these two men with Jesus, and uh, it says they noticed it was Moses and Elijah. Have you ever wondered how they knew it was Moses and Elijah? Did they wear name badges or something? <laughs> and of course, they would have probably seen the Ten Commandments. They knew it looked like Charleston Heston, you know. But, um, or is there a movie about Elijah? I don't know. Um, but these two giants of the faith, Moses, the, the one that had been described as the lawgiver or even the, 
described as the most humble man that had ever lived. And then Elijah was the great prophet. He's known as the greatest of all prophets. Was there on this mountain. And both of them were also paired in the last chapter of the Old Testament in Malachi. You can read in chapter 4. It reads this. It says, um, verses 4 and 5, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So you can see that in this passage he's saying, remember to look for Moses. Remember him. Remember the law. But also this, you know, see Elijah. See him or look for him. And so here and Elijah are talking. We don't even know what their conversation was. We don't know what was being said in this moment. But Jesus and them uh, on the mountain. And actually... uh, you know, here you could say Moses was preparing or talking with Jesus, and you can surmise that they were talking about Jesus' gonna his departure, his departure that was gonna be happening soon in his own death and his resurrection. But the Greek word is also from that passage is Exodus, which actually means just as Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt into the into what would be the wilderness. Hopefully they wanted to be the promised land, but of course they rebelled. Um, That Jesus was now the one that was going to lead them into new life and freedom. And and that's what freedom for all of God's children. Now, taking this passage again in Luke chapter 9's account, that it says that um, not only was he praying, but the disciples got sleepy. Luke records that they were sleeping in this moment, or they were getting very tired when Jesus was praying. This is often, how many of you get tired when you start to pray? You, you, you really have good intentions that you want to pray, you want to have a quiet time with God, and then you wake up later. <laughs> you go, oh, oh yeah, God, I know you know my heart. and You, <laughs> you know what I ask before, before I even ask, but you know. So, God sees your heart. I, I understand that, but um, the, they were sleeping, but you, but you can't sleep when the glory of God just shows up. And they were startled. The glory of God showed up, and they were wide awake at that moment. They were shocked, and this amazing presence of God was just a powerful moment. So Peter, not knowing what to say, because he was still pretty freaked out, let's just build tents and tabernacles for you. And he might have been trying to be theological and a good Jew at the time. Let's just, to commemorate the presence of God, let's build these tabernacles so that we can have Moses and Elijah and Jesus and we can all be there. But in reality, he was probably like, "Um, I just want to stay here. I just want to stay here in this moment. Let's just hang out and let's never go back down the mountain again. This is a good thing. I don't ever want to leave this place. Um, and that's probably what he was saying. This is so amazing. Do you sometimes have those feelings that you just want to stay in that God moment? You're just like, I don't ever, ever want to leave this moment with the Lord. Now, sometimes we think that the moments may be only mountaintops. Okay? Sometimes, you know, like you guys went to the retreat. Powerful God moment. You know, you said quiet stations and you prayed. And I've heard ladies go on later retreats and they, they amazing times with God. Um, I've taken kids to camp, um, you know, and, and sometimes they dread going. They're, they're freaked out about going. And then they go and by Friday, they're just like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this place. I have so many friends and I've got like three girlfriends. I mean, no, no. <laughs> no. I mean, I got, I mean, this is amazing time with God. Or YWAMers, you know, they go to the YWAM and they just don't ever want to leave because it's such a powerful God moment. Um, Or you go on vacation or a honeymoon, whatever that high place is, you know, that moment that you can remember and just recall, God, you were just there. You were just there. And sometimes we even think about that as that, man, back in 1983, 
back in 1983. That's when God showed up. That's when there was real music or, or even going back further. I don't know. Whatever that God testimony, that moment is, and that is a powerful moment a lot of times in our life. But it's kind of like, you know, what is that movie? Napoleon Dynamite. Have you ever seen that? That's yes. one of my favorites. Back in 1982, you know, Uncle Rico. I mean, he just like, if it would have just, the coach would have just let me in, Uncle Rico, and, you know, he, I would have just been a pro player and, you know, all this and stuff. And so he lived with these regrets all the time. But sometimes it just like, has God never done anything since then? Since 1982 or whatever? Has he never done anything since? I think he has. But sometimes we miss it. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at here, too. There's amazing times with God, and sometimes we do. We can pitch a tent. We can pitch a tent and stay there for a while. But we all must come down the mountain at some time. Then this cloud, it's this, this cloud overwhelmed them. And, and actually this word for the glory that shone was actually taken from the word Shekinah, which was uh, Shekinah glory of God. And it just enveloped that place. And it was powerful. This is when the tabernacle and the temple was built that the Shekinah glory filled the place and they couldn't even speak. They couldn't even worship. It was just like, wow. They were just, if you can only imagine, that that's what, the, that's what it was. And see, the glory of God, what they had was just certain endowments of the Holy Spirit. But now, actually, in Christ, when we invite Christ into our life, it says the Holy Spirit comes within us. And where's the temple? Our bodies. Our bodies become the temple for what would be the Holy Spirit in us, in our bodies. It's actually said that the Holy Spirit is in us, this temple, the body that we reside in. His temple resides in us, uh, his glory. And it's just like sometimes we just don't know how to release that in our lives. And through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to be released in our life that's already deposited in us. And so that's, that's another subject. But uh, this is what God wants us. He wants us to have these amazing times in the presence of God. And I want to make a few points today, today about Jesus. And one was his prayer life, Jesus' prayers. Um, John chapter 6, I don't have it up there today, but... I'm, I'm reminded that Jesus' prayers, that he didn't do anything. In John chapter 6, he didn't do anything apart from what the Father led him to say or do. It said in John 6 that he didn't do anything. That actually in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it actually said he grew in stature. He grew in his own relationship with the Father. Now, you might, you might go, that's kind of weird. It's kind of weird because isn't Jesus God in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one? Yes, yes. But sometimes we forget his humanity and we forget that he had to learn as a child how to, like us as human, because it says in Philippians chapter 2 that he humbled himself, that he set aside some of his own, not his own deity, he still was God, fully man and fully God, but he wanted to show us how to exemplify how we are to also grow in our own relationship with the Heavenly Father. And so he had to learn and grow in his relationship with the Father that as he grew, he learned to not do anything or say anything without the leading of his Father. And, and I think about that in his prayer life. He had a relationship. Um, I won't... If you want to read a, a book, I actually have not read this book, but I know what it's about. It's a former professor of mine in, in Bible college years ago that had this amazing experience with God. His name was Tom Wymore, and he just came out with this book called 30 Days with Papa. And the subtitle says, A Simple Journey Deep into the Heart of God You Really Want to Know. See, this, uh, this professor of mine, he was one of my favorite professors, and I actually had him come here years ago and speak in our church about his own experience, uh, that he's learned to do the same thing, where he didn't think he's amazing doctorate, he has PhDs, and he was an amazing teacher, but he also struggled with, I don't think I can hear God's voice. I really struggle because I just don't think I hear God's voice. And we're like, what? What are you talking about? And he goes, no, no, I knew about God. 
in my head, and I was very studied and, and, a, and a scholar, but I didn't know how to have a personal relationship with Father God. And he had this amazing transformation in 30 Days with Papa by Tom Wymore. Um, he also lives by this now. I don't do anything without my Papa time with God every day. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. Wow. And, and God just transformed his life. Well, Jesus went up to pray. And you can find in the Gospels, and, and you can find where Jesus went up to pray at every turn, every point in his story. He was praying. He was praying. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was just living in that constant prayer life with the Father. And you might think of prayer as being formal. You might have to sit down and, and get your prayer times and, and make look a specific way. But I think it's just really, uh, as it says in Scripture, pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. Just walking in a conversation with God. What does that look like for you? It might not be where at work that you have an opportunity to have your own prayer time. It might not always be that it's convenient for you to get up in the morning and have 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or something like that to pray. But you can be praying at all moments of the day, talking with God. Jesus prayed, and you can see that uh, before his transfiguration, he was praying. He would go up, and I don't think you can ever have public power without private prayer. You can't. You can't ever have a place of ministry without personal times in prayer with the Father. And of course, he was praying at the cross before, as, he, as his arms were stretched out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. As he took sin upon himself, became sin for us so that we could become children of God. We could become the righteousness of God. Jesus was praying at every major point. And there are two couple uh, explanations. One is that Jesus would pray in the good times and the difficult times. And, you know, he prayed when he was in trouble. He prayed in those difficult times, certainly. Um, and when you are facing difficulties, I hope that you're praying as well. But do we only pray when things are difficult? That, is it possible to treat God like a 911 call? <laughs> or rather than calling a friend? You know, that when do you call 911? 911, only in an emergency usually. You know, working on the ambulance uh, every week, uh, I take a day. And when people call 911, usually it's in their worst possible day that they've ever had. And we get to show up. We get to show up to help them um, on their worst possible moment of their life. You know, so is it that we turn to prayer at the worst possible moments in our life? I hope that's not the case, that it's just a 911 call. Or do you call as a friend? Because friends usually text or they call all the time, right? That's what a friend usually does. Just imagine for a moment you're at a house with Jesus and he's standing on the door knocking, knocking on the door, asking to come in, asking to come in. Jesus is knocking on some of our, our own lives, in our own house, if you will. He's knocking on us. I'm reminded of Revelation 3.20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who invites me in, I will come and, and sup with him. But you know that scripture in Revelation was not written as sometimes we, we take that scripture as being a salvation scripture. And it, it can certainly have that uh, leading that, yes, opening up your heart to Jesus and letting him in. But actually, that's written to believers. That's written to believers so that you would open up your life because sometimes we keep them on the outside. Oh, oh yeah, uh, hey, <laughs> leave you outside. And some, he's like, I will come in. Invite me in to sup with you. Invite me in. Jesus wants that type of prayer life or relationship with us um, but, and it's not that we can't call him on emergencies. Certainly, absolutely do that. Uh, but Jesus prayed often, every day. And prayer was his custom. Prayer was his habit. That's what he did. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. What does your lonely place look like? 
What does that look like for you? And again, it could be throughout the day. I hope that you even have some prayer closet times, that you have this, uh, what's that one movie that came out a number of years ago called War Room? That was amazing. If you want a good Christian movie to watch, War Room, and this lady was praying fervently, and she had her own prayer closet. Amazing movie. But rather than prayer just being a reaction to emergency, prayer was this relationship Jesus had with his Father at every moment, if you will. And he was already doing that. Our first takeaway from this passage is that prayer is meant to be a relationship with God, not just reaction to an emergency. I hope that you can see that. I want prayer to be an all-day, everyday relationship with my Father, that Papa time, that I don't want to do anything without the leading of my Father. I'm already doing it. I'm already praying, no matter what situation. So I'm not taken off guard when things come crashing down. I'm ready. I'm prepared for that. Again, one thing about being a first responder like myself is that um, my crew member, my, my partner that I'm partnered with or other fellow firefighters or EMS people is that I need them to be prepared with me. You see, when I'm doing something, when I'm helping someone, I need them to be thinking as well. I'm not going, where is that in our emergency book? You know, and it is looking okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, it's just like, no, you don't, need, you, you don't get out the book. You have to know it. You just have to be ready. And there are certain moments, and I will say more stressful moments than others. You know, when, when very difficult situations are happening. And you have to be careful that you don't get so amped up and that you, for, you forget things. But you have to be, I don't know how you put it. You just have to almost put yourself aside, your own emotions, and you just have to focus. You have to help them get through this emergency and get them as quick as you can to the hospital, for example. And it, it, it can be stressful, but you can't be going, I don't know what to do. Don't just stand there. Don't just stand there. <laughs> if anything, that will frustrate me. It's just someone standing there, not doing anything when I need their help. For, so prayer is a relationship with God, or, or is it just a reaction to an emergency that you are prepared for whatever comes your way? Now, Jesus' glory, the, the other thing about Jesus I want you to see today that is glory. Um, his glory was, was, was not seen necessarily on the outside. Jesus lived a very simplistic life. I mean, how many of you have seen the old version of Wizard of Oz? You've seen the Wizard of Oz, and they finally made it to the Emerald City, and then Toto goes and finds behind the curtain the so-called wizard pulling the chains and the thunder and lightning. It was a really... You know, the smoke and the lightning and the noise and everything. And they found out it was this guy, and he was actually a nobody. He was actually a nobody. He was just pretending. Well, Jesus lived as a nobody. Actually, Jesus lived a very humble life, but actually behind the scenes. Jesus was seen as a rabbi. He was seen as a common man. Even his name was a common name, Jesus uh, Yeshua was a common name that he had. He had no earthly titles or big positions. Uh, he had no place, he said, to lay my head. Essentially, he was homeless in this. But mostly by earthly measures, he was not impressive. And for this few moments, the curtain was pulled back. And it wasn't fake. It was like, whoa. This was the real Jesus. For this moment, it was heaven on earth experience where they saw Jesus. Oh, wow. They were, you know, sometimes we overuse the word awesome. You know, I don't know if you use the word awesome. That's so awesome. You know, pizza was awesome. You know, that was awesome. But awesome actually means to be struck with awe. And in this moment, they were, you know, when you're struck with awe, have you ever been awestruck where you just don't have words to speak? You're just like, you know, I mean, the beauty, the beauty of something. You're just like, words cannot contain what I just saw. So this heaven on earth moment was an awestruck moment that they're just like, we are so scared, but we are so 
amazed at this, you know, and that's why Peter was saying, let's just stay here for a long time. Um, and Peter never forgot that. Peter never forgot that years later that he even wrote it in his, his own letter. 2 Peter verse 1, verses 16 through 18 says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's recalling this transfiguration moment. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice from heaven came from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And also just remembering his baptism because that's what happened when the Holy Spirit ascended on him and his, his water baptism. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and we were with him on that sacred mountain. I never forgot that. I've never forgot that moment when Jesus showed his glory here on earth, um, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And I imagine Peter told people about this the rest of his life. I saw his glory. I saw him transfigured before me. Um, and Luke chapter 9 also says in verse 32, when we were fully awake, they saw his glory. Again, he, they were... They weren't sleeping anymore in that moment. They were fully awake. And this is my prayer for you, that we will be fully awake to see the glory of God. Sometimes Christians are just sleeping. They're sleeping in their walk with God. They're just like, you know, I don't see anything different here. I don't see anything different here. I'm like, what are we missing? What are we missing when... When you see who he really is, when you have that aha, that awestruck moment with Jesus, hopefully we'll never forget those mountaintop experiences. Hopefully we'll never forget those, the glory of God transformed my life. I'll never forget that, that life-changing moment, that vision or whatever that will carry you through. Now, I often pray when we are together as a church or we have gatherings, I often pray, I want your glory to show up. I want the manifest presence of Jesus to be here in this place. That when we worship, we're not just singing about God. We're not just singing out of our heads, but we're actually connecting, connecting with the throne room of God. That we actually want a real representation of the presence of God here because I believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that you are here today, that you're still a miracle working God, that you still speak to your people. And that's why I welcome what, what God speaks through you. I welcome what God wants to speak in words of knowledge or prophecy or, or God wants to do miracles. He wants to do healings because I'm like, that's not just of old, that is now. Jesus is here, present today. I pray that. In our church, in our church room, even in here, I've seen some amazing powerful demonstrations of the presence of God. And I always continue. And I pray that you will always have that same hunger you know what? The easiest place to ever lead worship and have a service is when people come hungry for the presence of God. When you don't have to muster up something, you know, come on, that, that song was a little too fast for me, or that song was a little too slow for me, or, you know, a lot of times, nah, 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 nah. you know, or, or I'm just tired. I came here. You barely, you should be really excited that I'm here. I'm, I am. I am really excited that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. But you know what? I come, and you know, even pastors can feel this at times. It's like, <laughs> I know, but um, like, okay, I, I'm tired. I'm tired, but I don't just base my desire for the presence of God on how I feel, whether I feel tired or not, because I know I still have a hunger for the presence of God, and I hope you do too, because he will show up. There are indeed mountaintop experiences they will have, and other times there's going to be valleys. Regardless, we can be in the presence every day, whether we feel it stronger some days or not. Eventually, most of Jesus' disciples, you see, they, they had this mountaintop experience. They could remember this place with God. But you know what? And Jesus even spoke to them, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will be persecuted. And guess what? Every one of them, except, you know, for John, were persecuted and martyred for their faith. 
Actually, he said, he said that you will literally take up the cross. Are you willing to take up this cross? And they said, yes, we are. And he goes, you certainly will. And Peter says he, that he had to carry his own cross, and he actually didn't want to be uh, nailed. It said that, um, that he actually chose to be crucified upside down. What motivated and sustained these disciples through their persecutions, through their hardship? I remember. I remember my Lord Jesus. I remember those mountaintop experiences, that blinding light, that glory of God. We know who he is. We know where we're going to go. We know that this is temporary. I need to live more for what is eternal than for what is temporary. William Barclay once wrote, he said, we cannot live forever in the moment on the mountain, but we cannot live at all without it. We can't live at all without it. We can't stay there necessarily on the mountain, but we can't live without that vision of Jesus' glory. And I'm praying that you have a moment of vision like that today, that awestruck moment. We also recognize Jesus' supremacy, and Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus, and Peter wants, again, to build shelters for them. At this moment, they're recognizing him. This isn't just an ordinary human. This is God. This is God. His presence is here. We recognize Jesus and his supremacy. And when the cloud lifts, it was only Jesus and Moses and Elijah were gone. What was going on? This must have been, uh, you know, a reminder to the disciples. This important verse in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. If they had been schooled in, in the school as children... The Lord your God will raise you up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. When they heard this voice from heaven that they must listen to me, I must listen to him. You must. And so Jesus' fulfillment of the Old Testament, he was the promised one. He was the one that was going to come. He was the fulfillment of that promise. You must listen to him. He is that one being spoken of in Deuteronomy. He's the prophet promised here by Moses. Moses and Elijah weren't just his peers. They weren't just his equals. Jesus was not just another prophet. Jesus was supreme. He was God. He was set apart. He was exalted. And so Jesus, here, we need to listen to him. We need to listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus over everybody else over every other thing. Listen to him. And we need to sometimes, you know, correct back to him. We need to correct back to him and remember what he's done, what he has spoken in his word, what he has spoken to us in various means. However God speaks to you, whether he be your, to your still small voice speaking to you, whether it be through people, whether it be through his word, God will speak to you. And, and so he wants us to listen to him. And I believe I believe reading through the Gospels is, is a, you know, whenever someone comes to the Lord, whenever they give their life to the Lord, I always say, read John, read the Gospels, read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, read the Gospels so that you hear the words of Jesus, so that you know what Jesus represented and, his, and the stories and the parables that he had told. I tell people to read the Gospels um, because that, that is the good news. That's the good news, and we need to hear that over and over and over. John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. If people say, I don't know what God's voice sounds like, and I say, read the Bible out loud then. <laughs> read the Bible out loud. You're gonna, it's going to sound a lot like God. All right? <laughs> read it out loud. Then you will hear God's voice. You know that how many of you when you gave your life to Christ it's like the blinders came off and now you understood it not just as historical writings or poetry or or a book historical book but your the eyes of your heart were open and you finally connected you're like I can now understand it because the holy spirit in you depositing things in you just like ah he's speaking to me something here that I can hear him and Jesus becomes that supremacy in your life 
where you just see him as being sovereign. You see him as being in control of your life. And you can say, God, these are powerful moments. I want to have these powerful moments with you every day. And I, I believe you can have powerful moments every day with God. It was amazing. It was awesome on this mountaintop experience. But the next day, they headed down the mountain. They headed down the mountain. And here's what happened. Down in the valley, on the way down the mountain, the disciples were talking to Jesus. And they were, um, and Jesus told them, don't tell anybody what you just experienced until after my resurrection, until my death, until after my resurrection. And they're like, Okay, you know, I guess, you know, and they, they kept those things to themselves. But they did question what was meant by, you know, the rising from the dead. They didn't quite understand that. They also asked Jesus, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And that he told them Elijah did come first. And actually, who, who represented Elijah? John the Baptist, yeah. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord, Right? that he had come before Jesus' life and uh, ministry began. He came in the spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist. So in a sense, he was saying Elijah did come already. He had come in that spirit of John the Baptist to prepare my way for, for me to come. And, and for Jesus to one day, he said, I baptize you with water, but I have come. There's one mightier than I that will come baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, Right? So next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about that part when they came down the mountain. But I want to look at one thing. After this cloud was lifted and they went down the mountain, they were met by this gathering, this crowd of people. And uh, the teachers were arguing with the disciples and the distraught father was, was uh, coming to Jesus and going, these disciples of yours, I asked them to deliver my son of these demons and they couldn't do it. And so Jesus was like, how long shall I be with you? How long, you know, faithless people. <laughs> but uh, he did deliver the son of, of those demon possession. But can you imagine coming off the mountain to this? This amazing time with God. And I'll bet Peter and John were ready to turn. Can we just go back? Can we just, can we, can we just go back to the mountain? Because it was really awesome there. And we came back to this immediate immediate bummers and I'm sure this happens a lot you know ladies go on retreat and then you come home kids are arguing dirty laundry everywhere dishes stacked up right you know <laughs> it's like how many of you are 40 years or older can remember the Calgon take me away commercials <laughs> the kids the light the traffic the dogs barking you know my husband you know Calgon take me away you know <laughs> I was, I was just looking at those uh, on YouTube, but our inter I was going to play it for you today, but our internet's not working so good. <laughs> Somebody, I was talking to my kids, and they're going, Calgon, what? <laughs> I'm like, just look it up. It's a, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a soap stuff that you can have a bath, you know. Anyway, bubble bath, that's right. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out, life can be messy at times. If you haven't figured that out. But where's God and where's his presence in the times of our mess? Has he gone anywhere or have we? And I'm also reminded of Psalm 23, one of my favorite passages. And if you just even break that down, as David wrote that psalm, Psalm 23, um, and there's a great book uh, called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, a little tiny book uh, by Philip something. Um, I, I've read it uh, several times. But it breaks down each of those scriptures in Psalm 23. And it reminds us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, you know, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes we need to be made to lay down. He leads me beside the still waters. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, and there, there's so much in that. Um, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, it's talking about he feeds me. He protects me. He also sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The presence of my enemies. I'm not going to have dinner with my enemies. 
But God leads us as his shepherd to do things we just don't want to do at times. Who are we? We are the sheep of his pasture, right? We are called a sheep. We need to be led. And he wants to be that shepherd for us. David wrote that shepherd psalm because David was a shepherd as well. And he knew what that meant, what that looked like. That he leads us to go places we don't necessarily want to go. That doesn't always mean, and it doesn't mean that when the shepherd leads a sheep to the mountaintop experiences at times, usually it's only temporary. It's only temporary in the green pastures in the mountains. And then I'm going to lead you back down through that valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to lead you through some of those rocky places. But guess what? I haven't gone anywhere, but maybe you have. We sang that song, he will leave the 99. Maybe we are that one that he will leave the 99 to come searching for you. He will search after you. He will fight for you. He will never give up on you. He will always be there for you. Even if we left him, he will come searching for us. God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't always let us escape our problems or our valley experiences but he does lead us through them and he shows us what we may only see as problems, he can see as possibilities. Ezekiel is another one that God showed a valley, right? He showed this valley, he took him to this valley and this vision of this valley of dry bones and everything was dead. Just a valley of dry bones and he goes, can these bones live in Ezekiel 37? And he goes, I like his response. He's like, you alone know, Lord. <laughs> of course, uh, I mean, uh, help me out here. <laughs> so, you alone know, Lord. It can, and he goes, speak to the dry bones, prophesy to them, and tell them to live. Okay. <laughs> okay, and he did. And then he watched and he saw the sinews and the muscles and everything coming together to form this mighty army. He's just like, Wow. And the breath of life came into them. What appeared to be dead, what appeared to be hopeless, what appeared to be nothing but a valley of dry bones and a depressing situation, God wanted him to see it differently. I took you to the mountain because I want you to remember those places. I want you to always remember that I'm here. I am supreme. That I, the glory of God is for you every day. But I will be with you on the mountaintops and I will be with you in the valleys. If it just looks dead, God asked Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Can he ask you that too? Can he say, can, can your situation that is completely useless and dead in your valley that you think is nothing but just depressing? I can't ever get to the mountaintop. I'm still stuck in the valley. And he goes, that's a good place to start. Can this live? Can you see life coming into it? Can you prophesy to that? Can I do this through you? Can you turn your problems into possibilities? Is, is our God a miracle working God or not? So whether you're facing, whether it be financial burdens or physical or health issues, emotional or relationship problems, Ezekiel is an example. He's a picture in this to see how God wants us to press into his abilities, into his power, not just our own. That we have a glorious God. You know what? He might need to pull back the curtain for us to be reminded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your glory. Oh, yeah. We virtually have control of only one thing. And that is our choice to surrender to the Lord, our shepherd. Mountaintops are great, and I always seek for more. I always seek for the presence of God. God, please show up. But I realize the presence of God is here every day, whether I feel him a lot, a, more certain days than others. Don't run. Don't disregard valleys as useless, frustrating, depressing, or hopeless. He may just be testing us and asking us if we can if he can make those dry bones come to life, and if we are surrendered, if we are listening, he will use that to accomplish miracles just like Jesus did. 
Let's close in prayer. God, I, I thank you for these reminders of that your presence in your glory is, is still there, whether I see it or not. You are magnified. You are glorified, God, and you want us to hunger for you. And I do, I desire for more of you. I want more, God. I want more. I want to see you more. I want to hear you more. And Lord, you answer prayers like that. It is always your will. When we, when we come to you, God, you won't turn us away. Even when we can't feel you, even when we can't hear you, you're still there. God, and I remember those amazing times, and I know there's more. I know there's always going to be more. And I even thank you for this gathering today. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for speaking to us today, Lord. And if anyone needs these words of encouragement, Lord, that if you're in that valley, if you're in that dry bone situation, that God can turn that around. He will turn it around. He will be with you on the mountaintops. He will be with you in the valleys. And we just ask us, will we surrender to you? And I do that today again. Again today, I do that. I surrender to you. I, I take up my cross. I die to myself so that I may follow you regardless of, of my situations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I hope that the Lord would speak to you, and I hope, I hope you have a story because I know your mountaintop experience. I know your, your, your testimonies, and that's why I, I, I implore you I implore you to speak those as encouragement, as testimonies to others so that it can build faith in other people as well. That's what Peter did. He said, I want to, I remember what happened to me. I never forgot that, that we take that and we share that wherever you're at, whether in your own workplace here at church, wherever it may be, share your own experiences with Jesus, with someone. God bless you all. Have a blessed day and uh, have a wonderful day and out in the sun. I heard it's supposed to be Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.